we have been talking about change. How do we change our lives? How do we bring about transformation in our lives? And uh, before I move into the part of the sermon, you know, we're going to be taking communion this, this morning. And uh, I, just, I was just standing there thinking when, when Kathy said that. I was at a church maybe a year, a year and a half ago. I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor for 25 years, but I went into this church, which not the same denomination. We're a non-denominational church here, and they started taking communion, and I had absolutely no idea what to do. I wasn't sure if I should go up or if I should not go up, or am I allowed to take it here and not allowed to take it there? I was actually, and it, and it kind of threw me off a little bit because that's what I was thinking about the majority of the time. I mean, I don't, I don't want to disrupt anything. If you're here for the first time or you've come, you know, you're here for the, you know, 10th time and you've never really taken communion here, take a deep breath. I mean, communion here is basically we're going to, I'm going to read something. We'll have someone come up and pray. Each, everyone pretty much gets up and goes back to one of these tables, takes the bread and the cup and, and sits back down. Um, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, you don't, you don't, ha- you don't, you shouldn't take communion. Um, but it doesn't really, in our church, people are getting up and sitting down the entire time. So no one knows who's taking it and who's not taking it. So don't feel at all uncomfortable uh, during that process. It's totally fine just to sit and pray where you are and not take communion. Uh, if there's some things going on in your life, you feel like, you know, I'm not really in a place where I should take communion, then just sit and relax. I mean, don't think that you have to put on a mask for the people around you and act spiritual because now it's communion time. And so, you know, we, we do it, we get up, we, we get the bread and the cup, we sit back down, we spend some time in prayer. You, you take the bread and the cup as the Lord leads you. You don't have to wait for anybody else. But I just wanted to say that for, for those who maybe have never taken communion here before, I don't want you focused on that and, and not on what we're going to be talking about because that's what happens. I mean, I'm not too, f- I'm, I'm removed. I became a Christian when I was 17 years old, but I'm not so far removed from being in situations where I know that can become an uncomfortable kind of situation for you this morning. I don't want it to be. So take a deep breath and relax. It won't be a problem whatsoever. We're talking about change, um, changing from the inside out. That's the series, changing from the inside out. And how, you know, how do we do that? Um, you know, change is, is one of those things that God continually calls us to. God calls us to change, but that call is often resisted. I mean, we resist it. We, we, can, we come up with the different excuses all the time, and one of the best excuses that we use is that we have plenty of time. I have plenty of time. I have plenty of time to change. I have plenty of time to work this out. I have plenty of time to turn things around. I'll, I'll do it next week. I'll do it whenever. There's plenty of time to turn my life around. And James chapter 4 and verse 14 reminds us why you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. We don't know how long we have. I don't know how long I have on this earth. You don't know if tomorrow is going to be your last day. You're not in control of that because you're not in control of other people and what may happen. You don't know what's going on inside of you. I mean, I, we, I, I, I was told this morning by someone who's part of our church that, um, that their, their, their daughter almost passed away this past week. Um, it wasn't for a miracle of God, a miracle of God. Um, we would have lost someone this week, very young. So you don't know when, you're, when your last day is. So this idea that, oh, I have plenty of time to change, James says, no, you really don't. Life is fleeting. You know, it, it comes and it goes it's absolutely amazing. You know, as you all know by now, if you don't know, I'll tell you, I'm a grandfather, and that's a very exciting thing for me. Yeah, exactly, absolutely. Yeah, give me a big hand, because it was so hard for me to become a grandfather, you know? 
<laughs> I did so much work, you know, and it's even harder now with the baby, you know. Uh, grandparenting is as good as they say it is. It really is. You get to go, you get to do the, the you love that child in, with intensity, but then someone else is taking care of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, oh, the stress. Um, but, you know, it's a wonderful, wonderful experience. And I think grandfather. Now, before I go on any further, um, my grandson is here, and there are, other, there are other babies here that have come for the first time to Grace Chapel. And I know for a fact that the doctors have told our family, yes, you can go to church, but no one can touch that baby for six to eight weeks, okay? So I know there are others here with little infants as well. So let's make a rule as much as we... Oh boy, we really want to squish them. You know what I mean? Um, no touching the babies for about six, six more weeks. All right? We all in agreement? Good. So now the moms had to feel uncomfortable with bringing their babies in and no one's going to touch them. All right. So I, I see, I took the bad, I'm the bad guy this morning for you guys. I, I took the bullet for you. So you can just say, well, Pastor Jeff said, even though I'd like you to, my Pastor Jeff said no one touches the babies. All right. So I'm a grandfather, but I'm thinking to myself, wow, I'm a grandfather, but I remember being 12 like it was yesterday. I remember being 12 years old, 1976. My mother finally let me get a dog. I bugged her about a dog, and finally in the apartment complex where I lived, this dog had puppies, and it was, a, it was just a mutt. And I wanted one of those mutt puppies. And I talked to my mom, 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 I'll take care of it, I'll take care of it. And she said, finally, she, she said, I cried for three weeks after I said yes. Uh, but she said yes. And the dog's name was Duchess. And Duchess and I had some amazing adventures. And I'm telling you, I may be a grandfather, but I remember like it was yesterday. The dog and I would go fishing all the time. Duchess and I would go fishing. And you think to yourself, big deal. You went fishing with your dog. Everybody goes fishing with their dog. Not like the two of us went fishing. There was a stream by the apartment complex. If I close my eyes, the apartments are like right here. And then there's a, there you go down a little bit. There's a grassy little knoll. It goes down into a kind of a stream area. It's maybe eh, 10, 12, 15 feet wide, three feet deep at the, at the deepest. And, and it got real shallow when it was the babbling kind of water coming down off the rocks. It got shallow. So we would go fishing in this stream, and there were carp in this stream. And I, as far as I remember, they were like this big, and they had huge teeth. They were gigantic. No, they were about as long as my arm. And the dog and I would go into the stream, and what, what we did first was I went to Stop and Shop, um, and it's a, it's, a, it's a grocery store in New York, and before they opened, I borrowed one of their carts, and I would take the cart. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Thank you. Um, you t- <laughs> yes. I wasn't always a pastor. And I borrowed one of their carts, and I took it, and I put it in the stream, and I turned it upside down, because you know how you pull the, the part down for your kid's legs to fit in there? It's a perfect way. You put it upside down in a deeper part of the stream, and the water runs through it, and so you can catch the fish and stick them in that one part and close it. It was a perfect little trap. So I would bring that in there, and we would go and catch carp, and then we would put them in there during the, you know, the, the entire day and let them go. But we had, we had a unique way of catching these fish. We didn't go, like, fishing for them. We, I did it by hand. And the, we, would, we would see these huge carp, and they would run under a bush, or they'd hide underneath the bank. And the dog and I would go in. She would go in after them and chase them out. And I'd have a stick or something. And we would corral them and move them up into the part where it was shallow, and we'd chase them up into the shallow part, and I would jump on the carp, and they're pretty big. I grab the carp with two hands, and I carry it, and I'd stick it in the cart, and I'd catch five or six carp that way, and then at the end of the day, we'd let the carp go, and we'd come back tomorrow and do it all over again. And the dog, I remember, would kill different rats in the water, because this was, you know, this was right in the middle of a very heavily populated area, 
So you had snakes, water snakes and rats, and my dog Duchess would kill the rats and snakes when she saw them, and we spent the entire summer, I remember it like it was yesterday. I mean, I could see, I love this dog. I actually got the dog when I was 12 and moved to Ohio with the same dog. I was 28 years old, and the dog lived, uh, it lived like forever. And uh, I used to carry her in and out of the house when she got old, really cared about this dog. And, uh, and, and I just remember this like it was yesterday, but it wasn't yesterday. It was so long ago. It was so long ago. Time literally flies. It flies. The older you get, have you noticed the older you get, the faster time goes by? Remember when you were younger, Christmas felt like it come once every 10 years? The ne- day after Christmas, like, oh, my goodness, Christmas is not going to be here for another, my whole life. Now it's like, you know, November, December is here before you know it, and you're getting ready again. You're like, wow, the older you get, the faster time flies. It just goes by so quickly. Harvey McKay wrote this, time is free, but it's priceless. You can't own it, but you can use it. You can't keep it, but you can spend it. And once you've lost it, you can never get it back. You can never get it back. Oh, I have plenty of time, plenty of time to change. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it whatever day. God calls us to change. And he calls us to change not tomorrow, not next week, not next year, but now, today. God is calling every single, I don't care if you come for the first time in your whole life. It's the first time you ever step foot in church in your life. God is calling you to change. Just just like he's calling me to change and every other person here to change. God has given us this time here on earth and that he's given us this time here on earth to become more like his son, Jesus Christ. That's why we're here, to become more like Jesus Christ every single day, to wake up one person and go to bed a different person, a person more conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Now, this morning, I asked Chuck Proudfit to come and share how God has called him to change and how his response to that call has not only impacted his life, but also the lives of those around him. Good morning. Jeff loves to say that transform lives, transform lives. And I thought it would be fun today to share just a little bit with you about the ways in which this local church has helped to transform my life and given me an opportunity to transform the lives of others. My wife and I first visited Grace Chapel in January of 2002. It was a Sunday and we walked in and This was the Sunday that Jeff was preaching from Rick Warren's then newly published book, The Purpose Driven Life. And that day, as he'll do on occasion, he'll lock eyes with somebody in the audience. I was sitting down right about where Kim Terry is, third row back, because I didn't want to get too close, but I was curious. And Jeff locked eyes with me the way he does, and he said, what will be your unique contribution? to the great commandment and the great commission in your lifetime. And then he waggled his finger. <laughs> the way he does. <laughs> and that day, a light bulb went off for me. I thought to myself, what would it look like to live out the great commandment and the great commission at work? The great commandment to love God with all our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength, all we've got, and to love others as ourselves. and the great commission to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey Jesus' commands. What would that look like at work? So about a year and a half later in May of 2003, I led the launch 
of a workplace ministry called At Work on Purpose. Its purpose is to guide Christians to successfully live out faith in a work world that's largely disconnected from God. And from the earliest days, this church, Grace Chapel, supported the little ministry that we had. And over the years, God blessed it, and it's grown. Today, in 2010, we have over 4,000 members in greater Cincinnati alone. These are people who come from all kinds of different church homes and denominations. All of those are distinctions, but there's one common cause that we all hold, which is the common cause of Christ at work. And over the years, lives have been transformed through this ministry. And I want to briefly share a video with you of one life that was transformed for eternity. I've only come to Christ about three years ago, three and a half years ago. I don't see it as a coincidence that that happened. God prepared me for this. I have never, ever thought, uh, wonder what day I'm going to die. It's not important to me. If you, put your, if you put your life in God's hands, there is absolutely nothing to fear. It's an honor to be able to have this opportunity to uh, talk about my uh, life story and how I've come to Christ, what it's meant to me, uh, how it has influenced my, uh, my journey. I hope that uh, through it all, uh, I'm able to touch and uh, be a testimony to many people listening to this tape uh, that it uh, uh, has an impact. and. Uh, shows you um, it's never too late. I'm 53 years old now. And uh, I've only come to Christ about three years ago, three and a half years ago, perhaps. Uh, I believed in God. I believed in a higher power. Never gave it enough thought to think about Jesus, really. It was all about me. And I felt I was the captain of my future. And uh, I saturated myself, the majority of my life, in my work and uh, in my business. And that worked for me for a long time. After working my, uh, the business that I started for, oh, I'm, let me think here, uh, about seven years, it finally hit me that I needed something else. Uh, I was just burned out. Money just wasn't doing it anymore. I can truly tell you, I would tell people, my employees, this is a money machine. This is what this is. This is what this is all about. There's nothing more. You know, this is a money machine. That was my mantra. And uh, for some people, that was fine. That worked for them. But for my best employees, uh, it didn't work. And I'd lose them. I lost them. Uh, I ended up going down to Clearwater, Florida on a business trip and decided I needed to revamp my mission for my business. It just wasn't working. I had no idea where that was going to go. But I had just left a conference with Ken Blanchard. He had a lot of tapes, a lot of books, uh, and uh, I was armed to, to uh, see what I could learn. And when I was down there, uh, 
I sat and I read, and I, my expectations were I was going to carve out a new mission for my company. I had no idea what that would look like. Pretty much thought it probably would not be a money machine, but didn't know anything else. After, at, at the end of three days, I had nothing, absolutely nothing. I was inspired uh, by everything I had read, but nothing was coming. Nothing was on paper. So I was, I was, about, I was ready to give up. It was time to go home. So I decided I'll just, you know, it's the middle of the afternoon. I'm going to just take a little nap, and then I'm going to hit hit the road and make that long trip back. So I did. Laid down for about an hour. Got up, and it just hit me like a lightning bolt. Ideas for the mission, and I started writing everything down. My mission, the values, the purpose of the business. Took me 20 minutes to write it down, and then I stopped and I read it, and I was like, who wrote this? Because this isn't me. I didn't even understand it. Lead like Jesus, servant leadership, obligating ourselves to helping others. It was very foreign, much different than anything that uh, we had ever uh, embraced before in our business. That's, that's for sure. I, I knew, I mean, I knew that this was, this was inspired by the Holy Spirit. I mean, I didn't write this. I didn't have the ability. I didn't have the capability to write this. And so I uh, came back home, started sharing it with some people. And uh, Chuck Proudfit, who is, was, uh, happens to be a, a person that worked on our branding for our companies, helping, helping us again to China, try and revitalize this business, looked at it. Everything I'd ever give this man, he would edit the heck out of it. He was like the worst school teacher you would ever see. Everything was redlined, you know. And he looked at this and just broke down into tears and said he wasn't touching a word of it. And I still would have to say, I didn't understand it. But he knew that something dramatic had happened in my life. I plastered this like everybody else, like a good soldier up on the wall, shared it with everybody. And this is our new mission, and let's do it. <laughs> Which is so much easier to say than to do. It was very, it's very complicated to live, this, live these values out. And it wasn't necessarily going anywhere. Uh, I, I was continue, continuing to spiritually grow, but I didn't yet have the ability to help other people grow because I was still learning, still seeking, uh, still trying to figure it all out. At that point, I still didn't understand Jesus. I can't say that I really accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior yet. Um, as time progressed, I ended up joining uh, a, uh, one of Chuck Proudfit's uh, executive roundtables. This is a group that would get together young entrepreneurs um, to share their experiences, their Christian experiences. This was the idea was to bring Christianity into the workplace. Definitely, a, again, uh, an idea that uh, most people don't think about. You know, it's all about, you know, you know we, we talk about Christianity and everything at church, you know, on Sunday, Saturday, whatever. So a very novel approach. So that helped me to start growing. You know, months have passed, and I started to look at my mission statement again. That's just been sitting up there on the wall. 
And now I have a, I'm starting to have a clearer understanding of what that means, but, but not an understanding of how to apply it, how to, how to break it out of that box. And so, an, a, again, a member from uh, Chuck's uh, executive roundtable, uh, Lynn Rule, helped me with that, uh, helped the group embrace our mission and, and uh, bring it to life. Uh, and that paid in incredible dividends. I mean, we were, ex we, I was scared. I was very scared about uh, talking openly about Jesus uh, to a group that I had no idea what their, their faith was. And it, um, it ended up being so well received, I couldn't believe it. I'm very humbled by that I was asked to do this because I didn't, I, and I still maybe am really maybe not totally clear on what the uniqueness is of my story. But hopefully if, if it can touch you, um, um, if, it, if it just gives you just a glimmer of maybe I should check this God thing out, uh, I would be most grateful. And I would certainly see this video as being a success. seen that a number of times it's still hard for me to watch it bill um contracted bladder cancer and it was aggressive it spread through his body and he died in a matter of months that video was actually shot about a month before he passed away bill had been attending church all his life but he came into a saving relationship with christ at work and that's what at work on purpose is all about it's about finding and growing in Christ in and through the work that we do during most of the waking hours that we spend in our lives. And none of that would have happened if it hadn't been for the support that this church has afforded a little ministry called That Work on Purpose. And so now, here we are years later, and I find that we've come full circle because next Saturday, February 27th, just five minutes south from here at the auditorium at Prasco Corporation, the Rick Warren of Christian Marketplace Leaders is coming as a guest at our annual big event. He's a guy that literally in his early 20s found himself thrust into leadership after his dad died in a little mom and pop company, but he grew it to a multinational firm using biblical principles. And in the midst of all of it, he decided to write a book called Loving Monday, which became a bestseller and it's now in 16 languages. It'll be free if any of you want to attend. It would be a pleasure to have you. But the most important thing I want to leave you with is the idea that transform lives. Transform lives. Thank you very much. Thank you. you know, I wanted Chuck to come up here, not just because he's very close to me and, and has a story that encourages each of us as we as we, become, as we grow in our relationship with Christ here at Grace Chapel, God has done some amazing things, you know, you know, awakening imagination, igniting passion, unleashing purpose. Again, we see that happening within our church, 
But one of the reasons I wanted to come up and share is because I know so many of you struggle with how do you, you know, how do you bring your faith to work? You don't want to shove the Bible down someone's throat or you don't want to, you know, get yourself into trouble. How do you bring faith to work? You know, how do you, how can you build a biblically based ministry, a biblically based business where the foundation of your business is built on the principles of Jesus Christ? You know, those are things that you all ask me all the time. I mean, it's the discussions we have all the time. I really want you to make sure you connect with Chuck. If you've had any of those questions at all, go, go on the 27th, but also build a relationship with Chuck. Get to know Chuck a little bit, and he can help you in some of these areas. He can, he can guide you. Because if you're, if you're going to bring about the kind of change we're talking about here, it's not going to just impact you when you show up to church on Sunday and how you act on Sunday. It's really going to impact how you act from Monday through Saturday. That's the impact you're going to see. That's the true impact, how you live your life throughout the week, that Christ permeates every area of our lives. That's what we're talking about here, including work, including school, including with our neighbors. How does, how does the love of Jesus Christ show itself in how we live our lives every day? Now, I'm not really sure how much longer God's going to give me to live, but I know how I'm going to live the days that God gives me. I know that. I'm going to live them with all the passion that I have. When I die, I want people to say of me, he wore the name of Jesus Christ well. He wore the name of Christ well. So many people come into church and they're, they're, they're frustrated at the fact that they come in expecting one thing from believers and they get something different. And sometimes, I've talked about this, you know, people are, are baby Christians. Maybe a, There are people in our church right now that are uh, an hour old, okay? Because they accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior an hour ago in the first service. And there are people who have been here, been Christians for 60 years in our church. And so you have to, when you call a Christian a hypocrite, you have to ask yourself, is it the Christian who's been a Christian for an hour or 60 years? But along with that, I have to be honest, there's some people who don't wear the name of Christ very well. You know, they come, they come on Sunday mornings, when they go to work, they're, they're just as quick to cheat someone or to, to live, like, you know, live life like anyone else as the next person, and that, that is not wearing the name of Christ well. I, for myself, and I know many of you, want to, want to wear the name of Christ well. Think about it. If you were to die soon, what would people say about you? What would people say about your life, how you lived your life? You know, I came to the conclusion that those who live their lives with a desire to change, that consistent desire to change, will never look back on their lives with regret. They'll never look back with regret. That is one of the worst things in life, to look back on your life and say, woulda, shoulda, coulda, to look back on your, on your relationship with your wife, with your children, to look back on your work life, to look back and just say, man, I would have done, I could have done, I should have done so much more for Jesus Christ. Those who live their lives with a desire to change don't look back with regret. In the end, whenever that is, whenever that, whenever that is for you or for me, we will not be judged by the number of days that we lived on this earth. We will be judged by how we live those days. How we live those days for Jesus Christ. It isn't the amount of time that you live that is significant. It's how you live the days that you were given. We don't know how long it's going to be for any one of us. We just don't know. But how are we going to live the days that God has given to us? You know, I, I know, I know for a fact that right now, if my life were to end right now, that I would have lived a fulfilling life. I, I would have lived a fulfilling life if God were to take me right now at this moment. 
Because I know in my heart, I've tried. I maybe haven't succeeded all the time, but I try to live every single day to become more like Jesus Christ every single day. And so if God took me now, I, I know I could leave this world saying, Lord, I've given you everything I have. I've given you all that I am. And so if you take me now, it's okay. It's okay. I have lived a fulfilling life. Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I love that. Paul's looking back after 30 years of ministry, after 30 years of serving God, and he's saying, God, whenever you take me, I'm good. Whenever you take me, I'll be content. I've lived my life. I've lived a complete life. So whenever it is that you call me home, I'm satisfied. I am content with what I've done and where I've been and the life that you've given me. That's what Paul is saying. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Are you living your life with a passion to change this morning? Are you living your life in such a way that you are doing some things you never thought you were capable of doing? Are you living your life in such a way that you're not looking back with regret saying, oh, how did I get here? But saying, you know what? I am giving my life and my all to Jesus Christ. I am giving my all to God. You see, if you've been coming here for 10 years or 10 minutes, let me tell you something. Your life matters to God. He created you for a specific purpose, and he wants you to glorify him with your life. He wants you to glorify him with your life. He wants you to live your life to the fullest. He wants you to, to, to live out everything that he's created you to be and to do. That's what God wants for your life. And you have to ask yourself, am I, have I become more than I, I ever thought I was capable of becoming? Or am I just kind of going through the motions? Am I living a mediocre life? Is life just for me one day that passes after another? Will you be able to say, if you died today, that I have, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith, I have fought the good fight? If God were to take you right now, would you be able to say that in your life? It's okay. It's okay, Lord. It's okay that I may die in a month or I may die in a year because I have lived for you completely. And whenever that time comes, I have no regrets. Listen, you need to change and you need to change now. I need to change and I need to change now. I'm not picking on you. I'm picking on all of us. We need to change right now. God has given us this life, one life, and he's given us this life. And he says with this life, he wants us to live with all of our hearts for him. He wants us to live for him. He wants us to become more like his son, Jesus Christ. That is his goal for each one of us, that we would become more like his son, Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter where you are in your spiritual journey. Some people came in to me after the first service and said, you know, I, I want Christ in my life. I just don't understand it all. I don't, I don't get it. That's called regeneration. That's like God knocking on the door of your heart. You know, Pascal said, there's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man that only God can fill. And each one of us know that there is a God. There's no question. You know there is a God. You just don't know who he is. And regeneration, God is, the Holy Spirit is kind of prompting you and talking to you. And you're saying, I don't get it all yet. I don't understand it all yet. But I know there's a God. And I know he's drawing me. I know he's talking to me. I know he's calling me. And, and as God leads us, and we, we were led to this change, the greatest change that we can make, the first step in really making a change in your life, we've been talking about change for over a month now, but the, the first step in making the changes that we've been talking about over the last month, month and a half, is that you ask Christ to come into your life. 
that you ask God to be the director and Lord of your life. People like, Christian, a lot of people say, oh, I, I accept Jesus as my Savior. But that's where it stops. If you ask Christ to come into your life, he's your Savior. Yep, you, you're, you're, you have eternal security. You're going to go to heaven. You'll be there for eternity. But you know what? He's not just your Savior. He's your Lord. He's the Lord of your life. He's the director of your life. You say, you know what, Lord, I don't have it all down. I need you to help direct me. I need you to help guide me in how I handle my marriage and how I handle my kids and how I handle people at work and how I work through the stress of all the financial difficulties I'm facing right now, of all the relational difficulties I'm facing right now, of all the stress and the, and the, 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 the discouragement and the depression I'm feeling right now because my life is not going the way I thought it would go. And the first step to bringing about those changes in your life is asking Christ to come into your life. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What that means is, you know what? God is perfect, you're not. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We can't work our way to God. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. You can't work your way to God. You're, you can never be perfect enough to work your way to God. So what, did, what is God's plan? He sends his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to die on a cross for your sins so that God, Jesus Christ can hold one hand up to God and one hand down to you and bridge that gap. That's what it's all about. That's why Jesus died on the cross, to bridge the gap between you and God. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this. If you confess with your mouth, listen to these words, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. Then you'll have a relationship with him. It says, for it is with your heart that you believe. It's basically belief. And it is with your, with your it is, you believe and, it's, and you're justified. And it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. It's as simple as that. God offers a gift, you accept the gift. It, salvation is as, sim as simple as that. And then it's as difficult as trying your best, your best, to become more like Jesus for the rest of your life. Once you accept him into your heart, you're perfect in your standing with God. You can be no perfect than the day you ask Christ to come into your life because God no longer sees you, he sees Jesus. Then after that, we try our best to live like Jesus Christ. And when we fail, we ask for forgiveness, we're forgiven, and we move on. True change starts from the inside out. So the first step in bringing about change in your life is to ask Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life, to ask him to come into your heart. And my question is, are you willing to take that, that first step this morning? We've been talking about this for a month and a half now. Are you willing to make that first step, take that first step of change? And if you are, here's what I'd like you to do. And I'm not going to bait and switch anybody. I'm not going to make you feel uncomfortable. Here's, but here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to bow your heads with me. If that made any sense to you at all, and I don't, you don't have to understand it all, but you, you, have a, you have a mind and you can understand that you're separated from God. You don't, it doesn't take, it doesn't take a, a genius to realize that we're, we're sinners. I don't think anybody should be offended by being called a sinner. Get in the car and drive home and someone cut you off and you realize I'm a sinner. We're sinners. If you recognize that, but you want Christ to come into your life, you want to take that first step to change, and I want to ask you to pray with me. This prayer is not magic, but praying this prayer, the supernatural power in this prayer is that you mean it in your heart. With what you know, you mean it in your heart. So I want you to pray with me. You don't have to pray out loud. I just want you to pray with me if this is the desire of your heart. Father, I don't have all the answers, and 
I may not understand it all right now. But I know I'm a sinner. I don't need Pastor Jeff to tell me that. And I understand my sin separates me from you. You're a holy God. I'm not holy. And so I'm separated from you. But Father, I thank you for the free gift of your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you for his sacrifice on the cross, that your plan was to send perfect Jesus into this world to die for me so that I could have a relationship with you. I thank you that through his sacrifice, I can be adopted into your family. Not just your creation, but your child. I believe in you. God, I believe in you. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. I believe that you raised him from the dead by your power. And I ask that you would come into my life and that you give me the power to change. God, there are so many here this morning that don't have the power to change in and of themselves. They've tried so hard. They just keep falling short. But with your power, we can do it. And so just pray with me that, that God, I ask you to come into my life. That you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit. And through the power of your spirit, that would give me the power to change the things I need to change. I admit that I can't do this alone, that I need your help. I want the new life that you have to offer. I want my slate wiped clean. I want to be a new creature in you. I want to be a new creation. I want all the sin and all the mire and all the muck and all the crud that I've been carrying around for years on my back taken off and left at the cross. I want to be new. I want to be renewed, restored, refreshed. I want to be a different person. And I ask you to come into my life and make that happen. Through the power of your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. If you, if you prayed that prayer this morning with me, here's what I'd like you to do. I'm not going to make anyone uncomfortable. Here's what I'd like you to do. As we take communion and people are getting up and, and walking around either during communion or after we're all finished, I have a gift I'd like to give you. It just will help you in, in the next steps in your faith, your, your, your spiritual journey. You're on a spiritual journey. We all are. I have a book and some information I'd like to give you to take the next steps in your spiritual journey. So if you prayed that prayer for the first time this morning, I want you to come up either afterwards or during communion and just receive this gift that I'd like to give you. Um, and then you can continue to take communion or just go back and, and sit down. I just want to connect with you and help you taking those next steps. With the remainder of our time this morning, I, I would like us just to spend personal time with God, each one of us, to spend that personal time with God where we can reflect on what he's done in our lives. As we take communion, I, I, I want each of us to take a good, hard look at our lives and, and ask ourselves, are we living with the kind of passion and purpose that God has called us to? All of us. All of us. Are we living with the kind of passion and purpose that God has called us to? In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, 
That's what Chuck was talking about. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This morning as we take communion, I want you to remember why we're doing this. This isn't a ritual. You may have been to churches before where it becomes a ritual. You do it over and over. And no one knows why you do it. You just do it. It's a thing to do, and you, know, you get points for it or something. It's not a ritual. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ, and you're remembering what I just described. You're remembering what he did for you on the cross. Uh, after, uh, I'm going to be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. After I read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I, I ask Gary Boyce to come and to pray for the bread and for the cup. And after he's finished praying, you can get up as the Spirit leads you. Go to the back. Go to one of the crosses there at the table. Go to the table. Take the bread and the cup. Take it. You can come sit back down. You can come forward here and pray, whatever you'd like, okay, whatever you'd like to do. You don't have to wait for anyone else to take of the, take of the bread and the cup. As soon as you get it and you sit down and you pray, as the Spirit leads you, you can drink and you can eat of the bread, okay? So I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians 13. it says this, For what I received from the Lord I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats of the bread or drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. You know, each of us, as we approach the table this morning, each of us should look into our own hearts and ask this question, Lord God, what in my life needs to change? What area of my life needs to change? And ask God through this process, ask him even this morning to help you bring about that change in your life. Help, ask him to help you become more like his son, Jesus Christ. Shall we pray? Lord, we thank you for your sweet presence with us this morning. How you're moving up and down these aisles calling for salvation and redemption. Thank you, Lord, for the tender way that you speak to our hearts and our deepest need. We thank you, Lord, because we know down deep in the innermost part of our spirits and hearts that it's you who are able to meet our, our longing, that you are able to take us from point A to point B. And Lord, we thank you for that wonderful deliverance. You've prophesied about it uh, through the holy prophets of God throughout the Old Testament. You were so excited about the re revelation of your Redeemer. And Lord, uh, we want to quiet and still our hearts in your presence today. And we want to thank you for all that you have done and all that you are doing in our lives. Lord, we're so vulnerable as human beings and we need such grace and love to surround us. And Lord, we thank you that you've liberated us from the bondage of sin and death. And you have taken us from this place of 
of the awful burden of sin. And you have given us Christ that we might be set free and have freedom from those habits and those things that hold us down. And Lord, we thank you for the precious blood this morning of Jesus Christ. You prophesied through Zechariah that there would be a, a fountain opened up to the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse from sin. And it's under that fountain that we fall this morning, Lord, that we would find our guilty stains removed. Thank you for the freedom that we have from guilt and shame. Thank you for touching the hearts of those that uh, have struggled in their marriages, for those children who have been wayward. Lord, for that young child that was delivered and healed, we thank you for that this morning. We thank you, Father, that you're able to take the dark clouds of depression and discouragement and lift those from our hearts. You are our all, Lord. We love you, Lord Jesus Christ, with all of our hearts. Thank you for the precious cup that represents the blood. All of our transgressions gone, we thank you, Lord. And thank you for the bread that represents his broken body, broken that we might be healed. Bless your children this morning as we receive these emblems, I pray for Jesus' sake. Amen.